0: I've heard it's really hard to get an accurate Lyme disease diagnosis. Like, people have had it, and they have had major difficulties actually getting that conclusion to the point where you can get treated. Right.
1: <laughs> uh, everybody's phones are going off.
0: Yeah, but...
2: And that's it, going to voicemail.
1: We've only been doing this how long? Let's see if Do, uh, do Not Disturb works this time. There, Obviously. there we go. Okay, we got Do Not Disturb turned on. Okay, we'll yeah, I better do the same for my phone. Okay, well, we're we're going back to scheduling scheduling these for Mondays. Oh, so. right. No, we're not. <laughs> we're no
2: more, no more low-quality hangover podcasts. No? No. Oh, come on. <laughs> that's right. Only low-quality... Podcasts. <laughs> Sober uh, podcasts. In general. <laughs>
0: AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show.
3: Hey, and welcome to another episode of A.T. Banter.
1: Banter, banter. I thought you were turning into Barry White there for a minute. Hey, and welcome to... That's pretty
3: good. Yeah, that's pretty good. I was just <laughs> reflecting on that. Uh, my name is Rob Minot. Joining me today, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Hello. And Mr. Steve Barkley. Hi y'all, and uh here we are, another day all together in the guitar dungeon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, are, you ready? are you ready for it? Yeah, I'm kind of ready. Are you ready for it? I'm kind of ready Fair. for it. It's it's. uh
1: Oh, I don't think you're ready for what I th- I'm asking you. Oh, are you ready for this week's podcast treat of the
3: week? Oh yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I am. Actually, yeah, it's a segment I now. Yep. Podcast. I love this. Luke. This is great. Oh boy! What do we got? What do we got? Ding dongs? No. no not Whoa! <clears throat> we have May West. Wow! Look at the Vavavoom pinup girl
2: on this. up <laughs> to like, no, uh, uh, come on up with Where did you find sometimes. these? Walmart. Isn't that May West.
3: Walmart. Yeah. May West. Okay, this looks like kind of like a ding dong, but it looks like it has like custard inside. <laughs> really? We'll try it out here, everybody. I don't know. Maybe our Throw this one. looks a, v- a lot like a wagon wheel, but it's like... Are they? Throw one to each of us. The, it looks like a wagon wheel of old, because it's actually big. Oops. Oh, really? Sorry, Ryan. Oh, damn.
2: Oh, they roll really good. <clears throat> I'm done. Checking them. that thing across the room, aren't you? Uh, wow, so
3: apparently these... These have been around since 1923. I have no, I have not heard of no kidding. ATBanter or sorry, cowbell at atbanter.com, if anybody has heard of a May, West. May West treat.
2: It tastes a lot like a wagon wheel. Mm-hmm. A little softer.
3: Yeah, it does taste like a wagon wheel. I think there might be a lawsuit. <laughs> All right, everybody. Just uh, skip ahead six <laughs> minutes while we while we finish this. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is it I better, feel like... better than is, the wagon wheel? Well, yeah. Because wagon wheels, they changed... They changed their... First of all, they made wagon wheels smaller. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. I just... I don't mean to sound like a conspiracy theorist, <laughs> but... They've made the Unless... I, I mean, granted, I was smaller when... I was eating them so maybe they just looked bigger. I don't know. Cowbell at ATBanter.com if anybody knows if they've actually made wagon wheels smaller. Alright, so stay tuned for next week's treat. I'm still enjoying this week's treat. Man, you guys you guys inhaled those.
2: <laughs> I didn't have breakfast. <laughs>
3: Hold on, folks. I'm sure so not eating. that much bigger than a wagon wheel. Hey, these go really I, well with coffee too. I like the really? custard. I like yeah. this. I like the the, the vanilla filling better. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This is nice. It's it's a little bit a little bit better than the the marshmallowy.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Not quite as cloyingly sweet.
3: Okay. Woo. Oh, that was good. Uh, <laughs> what <laughs> what are we doing now? Oh, hey, Ryan. Rob. Uh, what what are we doing today? Today, we are talking with Mr.
1: Michael Fair, who is the original creator and editor of Odyssey Gaming Magazine, as well as contributor to AMI Audio.
3: Yeah, it's got a, does, I think he, isn't he on like a segment like once a week or something on AMI? Yep. yep. Yeah. Kelly and Company? Yeah, you know, I did not really think that accessible gaming went back this far, uh, but apparently he's, he started this thing up in the mid 90s, so. Uh, he's been, he's been into accessible gaming for quite a while, so I'm looking forward to having a, a deep dive into the world of accessible gaming.
1: Well, and I think there's definitely, you know, again, like we're finding with anything assistive technology is there's a lack of knowledge of, of what's even out there and what's been out there.
3: Yeah. So, oh, for
1: sure. Well, so, I'm going to announce one little piece of news I on Twitter this morning for those of you who are living in Canada and our Amazon Prime video watchers. Yes. They have now enabled video description, audio oh. description. Oh, nice. really? Yes. So I'm going to check it out tonight and take a look. All right. Well, keep so Thank you, Amazon. Yeah.
3: We'll expect a full report next week. So Okey-dokey. get watching. All righty. We expect to see your imprint in that couch <laughs> next week,
2: <laughs> sir. All right. Come back, you'll just be all crumb and drool. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> Boxes of Midwest all over the floor. <laughs> I've watched the entire season of Kitchen Nightmares. I just binge
1: watched everything. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> joining us now is Michael Fair. Alrighty. Michael, joining me in the room today is Mr. Steve Barclay. Howdy.
3: Hello. And Mr. Rob Minot. Why, hello there.
0: Hi. All
3: right. That was the show. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's, you know what, let's start out by giving us just a little bit of background of about, uh, about a little bit about yourself and uh, what you're up to.
0: Okay. Well, I, uh, I've been blind all my life and currently living in Mississauga, Ontario, which is, is part of what they call the greater Toronto area. I'm not sure if all of it's great, but it's, it's nice. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's a good place to live. Um, it's a big city, uh, basically, so a lot of uh, conveniences of that. Uh, I uh, have done a few things that I guess I've, I've been most known for my magazine called Odyssey, which I edited and created back in 96 and wow. uh, was the editor until around 2004. Uh, and then I handed it over to another fellow um, after that because I, I just got burnt out. It was, it was all about games that were accessible uh, a lot of them accidentally so uh, for blind people and, uh, at the time. And that was, that was really what got, got me uh, sort of, you know, the fame without the money, I guess, is, is what you'd say. So,
3: <laughs> yeah, we knew all about that.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I, I did that while I was doing university. I have an English degree uh, and uh, found out, uh, you know, over the years that, that really it's, it's tough to get work you know, anything steady, anything that would really get me off social assistance. So, you know, I did, I did the magazine, which which grew into a much larger thing than I thought it would. Uh, I was in 14 countries at one point and mm. had a, a volunteer staff helping me keep the thing going uh, for, you know, about. I guess I did it for about eight years. Um, and then I, I I wanted to do other things. I had other creative projects that I thought. Uh, might might lead somewhere, and uh, discovered it was really hard to uh, program and, and sort of build an accessible game. Uh, I had to basically shelve that for a while, and then I got into doing a guide. I realized over time that people have these computers that usually were in in, in Canada. We have uh, funding, uh, certainly in Ontario. It's 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 not solid all across the country. It's different in different provinces, right. but people can get computers and access technology for personal use and you'd have these people with great machines you know th- but they wouldn't know what to do with them right and what they could do like i did a lot i i'm a heavy computer user I always have been since around age 10 when i got my first apple 2e with echo speech synthesizer you know yep. and
2: echo ready yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was uh it, they've been part of my life for so long that, that for me it's it's the natural thing to explore to look around to try things but a lot of people were scared to a lot of people were told hey if we have to come and fix this you're gonna you're gonna get charged you know we're gonna you're gonna have to pay right (laughs) so be careful right and that be careful meant don't try anything we didn't teach you to do in their minds and then so they didn't so they had these great machines but all they'd use them for was reading and writing which is what you're obligated for adp to, to get training in sure and nothing else. So the internet, all the, the online shopping, the accessible games, the, all the stuff I took for granted, other people just didn't know about. Uh, you know, and I felt really bad about that over time. So I decided at, at one point to do a guide, uh, the first personal power guide, and that was about 50,000 words. And it took a couple of years to write, and uh, it basically was from a personal point of view, uh, non-employment, just... Personal life enrichment. What can you do with access technology, the internet, a Windows machine that talks at that time? And you know, and I, I sort of went through all the different things from online shopping to uh you know, defending yourself, using getting antivirus software that, right. that was accessible, pointed people to accessible programs and games and things that were out there.
3: So so what and what around what year would have this been?
0: That was published in twenty oh eight. Okay. And uh, that that was a crazy summer. Uh, I got easily over a thousand emails uh, in a a matter of months uh, and all about the guide and from places. I I wrote this thing for people on ADP in Ontario. I really hadn't thought much beyond that, uh, thinking it would help them. And, and, you know, the CNIB or someone might pick this up and and maybe turn into an actual honest to God book and, you know, do something with it, Uh, you know. And I started getting things happening. Like I I got interviewed on uh, AMI's show at the time called Contact. I was on Main Menu, which was a technology show uh, on ACB radio. Uh, A college apparently used the guide as a mandatory reading for their course for a while, which I never would have thought (laughs) would happen. So it, it spread way beyond what I wrote it for, but helped an awful lot of people. I'm still getting emails about it every now and then. So and it's long in the tooth now. It's woefully out of date. Um,
3: I'm fascinated by the the magazine as well. I want to talk a little bit about the about the magazine sure. and your experience yeah. there. Um, so, sorry, you when did you started it in, in '96?
0: Yeah, I was bored one summer. It was it was hard to find summer work. Again, you know, you go through a degree, and and the idea is is a lot of the times now that you, you get summer work experience, and by the end of it, you have something to put on your resume. But that proved pretty impossible i couldn't there was nothing that people seemed to want to let me try to do right that i could find in a timely enough fashion to make use of that chunk of time in between you know course semesters terms sure. so uh i was just bored when when someone just thought you know i'd read this magazine called zizzy news which was all about interactive fiction and i thought you know a lot of this stuff it's text adventures right it's you are in a passage going north now, south there is a spike on the wall what do you do and you can type in a command and it would say what happened. You know, tap forehead on spike. You have a bloody spike now protruding from your forehead. You know, right. it would, right. come up with things like that. So, it, I, you know, games have been a huge part of my life since I was a kid. I got a, a disc. First time I got the Apple IIe back when I was 10, I got a disc of games from a teacher. And, you know, we, we did our typing lessons in school and stuff and slowly learned that way. But, I mean, you give a kid a game. And, you know, he, I, I would have jumped through fire to learn how to use it and play it on the weekend. So by the time, you know, we did, I came to, to middle school and was the only blind person in a sighted school, I could type faster than most of the other kids taking the typing class. Like it was, it was the bird course for me because I learned playing text games, you know, how to type and how to use the computer and, and at, you know, the, at the time the Apple's, uh, version of, of uh, the Echo Speech Synthesizer and its, its uh, speech. So, you know, if, if you want to really find a way to get used to technology and learn stuff, you know, games are a wonderful way of, of just breaking down those barriers. And that experience has stuck with me. And so when I started reading Zizi News and reading all about interactive fiction, I thought I could do something like that and i started working on the easy and that was that i named odyssey i thought i was being so clever it's a u d y s s e y because I, I figured you know games are really journeys of the mind and hence odyssey and aud for audio right right so odyssey i thought oh how clever wonderful it goes on the top so that was the title and uh, and I, I got notes from deafblind people very quickly who were like, hey, we can't hear games, but we can still play them. I'm like, oh, whoops, sorry, <laughs> didn't think of that. But they, they forgave me and stayed on as subscribers, so <laughs> you know, the name kind of stuck. And, uh, and I started it on, I didn't know what I was doing. I did it on something called CompuServe at the time and right. posted it in one of their forums and never really thought it would go anywhere else. Uh, but then it, it spread. Someone posted it to a list and an email list and uh it started getting some feedback and then i thought oh i could i'm, I'm on an email list called sky club I'll, I'll post there and boy did that start a firestorm because a lot of people were paying for the data up north northern ontario i guess there was a lot of you know it, internet gets very expensive when it's satellite based uh, at least it did then so a lot of people were kind of annoyed with this huge 28 page first edition of a you know, you know, a magazine that uh, was finding its feet, you know, up on their their internet. So uh, oh. I, I started my first flame war doing that. Hmm. Uh, so
3: it seems fascinating to me, though, because that that particular time frame, um, you know, g- g- games in general, like especially PC gaming, was going s- through like this this huge renaissance because oh, yeah. you know personal computers well, were becoming more and more uh, prevalent. Uh, in homes, there were things like um, graphics cards and stuff, you know, made that leap from, you know, the old graphics cards to, like, 3D. So gaming was in a real revolution. And it, it's it's kind of fascinating to me that even within that, like, accessibility wasn't really top of mind anywhere no. w- within developers. <laughs>
0: it, it, it really wasn't. And audio games were, were almost a non-existing yeah. thing at, at that point. And I got to see that whole business kind of kick off and, right. and be sort of at the center of everything because there was nowhere else that really did what I did. No one else was advertising in strictly accessible games. You know, there was you might get a mention in you know in Access World or some other publication that was doing, you know, a lot of more serious, usually employment related stuff. Uh and uh, you know, so this was just way off the beaten track. And and everyone just jumped on it, and all of a sudden, I had all these, you know, sure. thousand-plus readers uh, very quickly, and was in a bunch of other countries. And you started getting postings from people in, like, Russia. There was a Russian librarian that used me as, you know, for English lesson material, and all kinds of just totally unexpected, crazy results like that. Sure. And then you got all these people, you know, writing articles in that I suddenly had to edit and uh, and post into the magazines and and work all the. The issues of editing out, and then leadership, because they didn't want to wait between issues to talk with each other. So, someone created an email list. So, Odyssey jumped from being just a magazine that you'd see maybe, you know, bi-monthly, and eventually it slowed down to quarterly. Uh, or you, you could you could be part of this active back-and-forth discussion list all about games, which then all of a sudden they expected me to be a moderator of. So you learn a lot about leadership awfully fast uh, when, you're, when you're tossed in like that. Right. And, and so I had to really become uh, much more of a community leader than I really had any thought of when I started this thing and sort of waved this sorcerer's wand that the Internet was at the time.
3: So, so give us a little bit of a sense then. And, and sorry, when did you leave the, uh, the magazine? I,
0: I stepped down in 2004. I had done 40 issues, right. and it just got to the point where I was tired of being, of trying to get people to write articles and take the time to do that, and not just complain when I was a day late publishing.
3: Sure,
0: because uh, you know, there was not enough material, and I couldn't. I just couldn't pull any more rabbits out of my hat. You know, I was. Uh, I was kind of. I said most of my. You know, I, I tried to have. I wanted the magazine to be more than just. The, this is what's happening now. I wanted it to be more reflective. I wanted it to be, you know, to contain thinking about what we played as well as just what was there and what people were saying about the various games. I wanted sort of an overarching th- sort of thread of philosophy through it all to, to, to give it some heft, you know. Right. And uh, it largely got that, really, uh, looking back on it. I was, I was reasonably successful at, at, at doing that. But eventually you say all there is to say, and you're kind of struggling, and no one else is kind of coming up with these wonderful things that, that you thought would be there. If you just sort of built it, they would come, right? And it doesn't always work that way. Sure. So, yeah, so I eventually gave it away a to another fellow that continued it for about 11 more issues, and then uh, and then uh, it kind of fell off the rails.
3: So give us an idea, because, you know, again, you know, I'm trying to think back to this, that, that PC era – and it was such an, uh, you know, a bit of an interesting time um, yeah. overall, but I mean, especially accessibility-wise.
0: DOS had started to see things like uh, Tiny Talk. There were a lot of sort of choices emerging in DOS for your screen reader. Uh, I used Tiny Talk a lot. I thought that was, was just super. Uh, it just had this annoying little ad, 20-second wait at the beginning, and then after that, you were sort of off to the races. Uh, so I could deal with that. I could wait 20 seconds, you know, if I didn't have to pay anything. So, you know, it was there and use it. There were a lot of text games. Text games were the thing. And most of them were made by sighted people who never dreamed that blind people would play them. Right. So there was a lot of completely, you know, the people would get contacted. These developers would, you know, like we I'd chase them down or some other reader would, would ask questions and stuff. And they'd be like, oh my God. You know, I never thought blind people could play my games. Wow. Well, sure. You know, so that was going on. And then uh, very quickly, I got contacted by PCS Games. They were the first audio game developers uh, to contact me. And also GMA Games, David Greenwood up here in in, uh, Canada, uh, was another very early start. He came out in 98 with, uh, I believe, Lone Wolf. It might have been Shades of Doom first and then Lone Wolf. Um, But those were his two big, big titles. And then, of course, GMA Tank Commander just blew blew my socks off but
1: uh so gulch. i got
0: to see all that kind of emerge and then esp softworks popped out of nowhere and and they did you know they had alien outback you know the, the kind of a souped up space invaders and then we got pinball which just totally but it was like having your childhood that you you had to live vicariously growing up like i had friends would play games and of course my parents i'd go to the arcade with my dad and he'd he'd blame me whenever we got killed and you know things like that so we had we had a lot of fun with, with the games and stuff and he described what was happening as quickly as he could and you know give me as much agency as was humanly possible in those frantic circumstances and you know uh, but now all of a sudden you know things were starting to appear especially once we made the jumped windows you know, and and that opened up more sound capabilities, it seemed, and right. uh, made it easier to make audio games. Uh, and then you started getting things like Shades of Doom and uh, Pinball. Uh, that was just Pac Man. We've had at least a couple of takes on Pac Man over the years. Sudoku has been done to death. We've had, God, at least 10, 12 Sudoku versions I can think up off the top of my head. So, uh, yeah, it, it was a lot of – and you had some of everything. You had lots of these audio games. Interactive fiction was kind of coming back, so you had the text-based right. stuff. And then you had th- these new whiz-bang audio games that would emerge every now and then. And then you had the online stuff, the MUDs, the uh, you know things like script. Thr- uh, that one's still going on strong today. SRYTH.com is uh, this neat sort of game book writ large uh taken to take into the nth level uh, of, of complexity. It's, it's an amazing sort of fantasy work of, of sort of multiplayer, single player but competitive uh, kind of thing. It, it's very different. So you started seeing sort of unique stuff like that. And when developers heard of this growing sort of crowd of blind gamers who would love, who were desperate for stuff, because we didn't find, it wasn't like a flood. It was a trickle. You'd have, you know, in a sighted world, you'd have new games every week. You know, it would be amazing if a month went by and you didn't have a number of good new titles that that grabbed headlines. Yeah. But for us, it you might have a you know a quarter of a year would go by with nothing. You know, half a year uh, with with very little new to talk about. So you'd go back to what was there. You'd dig up old stuff. You'd find text adventures. You'd you'd have to make it really stretch. So. And that's still kind of the case today.
3: Well, yeah, that's uh, what that was. What I was going to ask: has has that gotten any better?
0: I think in some well, the whole atmosphere has changed. First of all, people have learned a lot of lessons from those early wilder days, and it would be harder to get information out of developers. I think today, if I were doing Odyssey today, uh, I would I would really have to wrangle and wheedle and work to try to get you know stuff that they would freely. They, they were at the beginning, you know they were really ready to open up be part of the community there were audio chats on these these servers and things that would happen so you really had a community everyone's on the same side kind of sense no one you know felt that they were sort of in a, in a relationship that would involve antagonism and you had an openness that has faded over time i've, I've found like now they know better than to promise like when the game's going to be done I, unfortunately we saw a number of of clashes between people who didn't know, didn't have a sense of how much work was involved and just couldn't wait to play a game and couldn't understand what was taking so long. And that life sometimes intervenes and, you know, develop one developer was losing his father and, and was being pestered by these people. I, I felt so bad for him because he'd been so generous and open with his resources, with everybody at, uh, And to see that repaid in that way was just you know, and to and to have that that front seat into why this was all happening at his end uh, was was kind of it was it was sobering. It really was, you know.
1: Well, I um, think that was one of the nice nice things about having a place to go like Odyssey, as you could find yeah. what games were being released, what might be coming down the pike. You know, nowadays there's more and more. Xbox titles, PlayStation titles that are becoming accessible. Madden 20, I've heard, is it's actually quite playable for somebody who's blind or low vision. But there's, there doesn't seem to be a place that a person can go to find, you know, what's been tested, what's accessible.
0: Yeah, it's, it's diluted now. You have multiple places that you have to know about to go to. For example, the two I direct people now would be uh, audiogames.net a u d i o g a m e s dot n e t right that is is a general anything is okay there in terms of audio games uh, from practically all platforms uh people can start discussions about everything uh the the more the one for apple applevis.com is a a place where you it typically is where any kind of information about iOS gaming and anything new will, will pop up. They really have that nailed in terms of just being that grand central station for all things iOS and other OSs. Now that Apple is making them, it yeah uh, you know, that's where you go to find out about new apps, what's what's popular, what's working, uh, and and what the problems are. Right. Uh, so that that's they have a huge app directory uh, for each operating system as people discover stuff. Uh, so there's, it's all community driven, and it, it's really uh, held together really, really well. Um, so that uh, that's where where I would direct people to now. Uh, anything beyond that, you're looking at specific developers. You, you, sure. you really sort of have to hunt down. Uh, for example, Android. I haven't heard of any sort of equivalent to Apple Vist for Android users. Same with Xbox or these other. New console things that are coming out. PlayStation apparently is now getting more accessible.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so, but there's no kind of place where where you can just go and get all of that or what's new with everything.
3: Right. I, I, I really I, I really feel like you know accessible gaming is still has has really yet to find its footing. Um, you know, I yeah, think that we're we're taking steps definitely. Um, you know, yeah. look at look at you know the Microsoft the adaptive controller that they that they made. Um, was, you know, it was a real, real big leap forward. And it was, it was Microsoft really embracing the idea of uh, accessible gaming and, you know, a lot of accessibility features now are, are being baked right into um, different games. So it's, it's definitely getting better, but you know, you think about it and the technology is really there. Like we really have. The potential to really make some some highly accessible games or some oh, yeah. wholly accessible games because if you think about it, we've got you have got haptics built into the controllers, um, you
0: have got the accelerometers built into the smartphones. So that's you've got right. The motion detection. You've got the the audio is is and the, the power is there now. That's I mean, right. These iPhones have basically especially the modern the latest ones here. I mean, you've got the same power as you would in a game console in your hand.
3: That's right. You That's know
0: very true. you could do a lot with that with audio mm-hmm. and then there's the screen approach where with the tactic feedback and stuff you could have say a board game that you could feel the squares or right. you know, th- there's all kinds of things like that that I can easily imagine uh, being made accessible but we're still in a situation where that awareness and and people understanding you know what it's you know what it's like to be left out uh, you know we have examples of text-based stuff really totally text-based choice-based, Stat based games. There's no reason you couldn't play, yep. but they're totally inaccessible because the, the developers just weren't aware at the time of, of the potential audience. And it's too costly for them to do afterwards. That's right. And so you're stuck with things like the fighting fantasy genre. Uh, they were great books. My dad read them to me as a child when I was growing up. And uh, they were just decision, you know, pick which paragraph to go to, roll some dice to see what happens in terms of combat and stats. Nothing would have prevented those books, uh, those games, especially when they became apps and programs from being made accessible. Sure. Absolutely nothing. But it, it never happened. I, so. We,
1: I just want to be able to play Call of Duty and take out Rob once in a while.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that, uh, again, perfectly possible now. It's, uh, at least, it, yeah. at least yeah. to, to a degree now you get into the situation where how much information one of the things that people don't get and i i kind of wince when this happens is people make the mistake of thinking possible is easy
1: mm-hmm.
0: and there's a big difference with that uh you know you talk about uh, something like like a call of duty shooter there is a lot of extra stuff going on there there's planes going overhead there's all sorts of different things that are just purely there as atmosphere. Right. But the more you put in and in, in sort of auditorily, the more confusing and muddled things get. Mm-hmm. And when that's all you have to rely on, you have to think more carefully. Uh, you can't just do a straight, everything goes in there because yeah. it, it can overwhelm too many people who aren't used to really parsing that much audio information at once. So then it becomes, okay, but if we start taking stuff away, is it a different experience?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So you know, you, same with, with simplifying things, uh, auto-aiming and things like that. I mean, eventually you turn it into a, something that you're, it's more of a, I think of the Zelda kit. There's a guy that was Bind and he managed to finish Zelda. He so desperately wanted to play the same games that everyone else was playing that he got help online from his friends and actually managed to complete a whole Zelda game on the nintendo that is monumental yeah like it, it, the only equivalent that that really occurs to my english major mind is would be knowing shakespeare well enough that you could just jump into any role at any time <laughs> from any play and just start like that's the because he had to memorize all these moves there was mm. very little audio feedback as to what was happening Jeez. when and where you were so if you screwed up you had to start you know a chunk all over again it must have been painstaking to yeah. do this and it wasn't at all like what a sighted person playing Zelda which is really kind of a, a fun adventurous exploratory romp of you know of, of audio game of, of video game goodness I mean that's what a sighted person would experience is kind of a magical exploration of, of this environment whereas for him it was this constructed carefully scripted painstaking exercise right to do this and you know that's that's the kind of difference and and then it becomes is it the same game right so that's the other side i mean are we so desperate to play the same stuff that that we end up making these compromises or do we branch out and make our own stuff which isn't going to make anyone rich well you know you know
3: it's interesting you say that though because i don't know that that's necessarily the case because i mean if you think about Today, uh, you have multiple multiple different platforms. Um, you've got PC, you've got the consoles, you've got um, mobile, um, and then you have all this technology. Like screen readers are, are are just you know ubiquitous now. Like every you know every every PC, every every Mac you know has a built-in screen reader. So really, it it wouldn't be all that hard to develop uh, a game. That you know f- strictly from an, an accessibility basis. Well, there were some audio you know, games. We have that haptics. Were... We have we have we have VR helmets. We have all these things where somebody could go in if they if they so desired and build a kick ass game that was completely accessible. If that was their intent right at the beginning, you know the yeah, part of the problem absolutely. is is that with gaming now you have say, Call of Duty, for example. Uh, now to try to tack on accessibility onto that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your results yeah, so are going to be
0: mixed. Still probably doable, but very hard. Sure, sure. But yeah, something like, well, I, I think of Six Ages uh, is, is my favorite current example on, on iOS now. There's uh, a developer who uh, had made a game called King of Dragon Pass, which is a wonderful fantasy kind of adventure that is uh, has enough text for something like nine novels in it. It's huge. And this thing is a choice-based sort of consequence story engine you basically have to guide this clan uh and try to make them king of, of this region uh, form a tribe that you are then king of and be leader of dragon pass um it's, it's six uh, it, it was the first one and he i had played this with my dad as a as a in, in the 90s as a kid and he had to do all the reading right and it was so much reading this was a heavy text game so he didn't want to necessarily play that all the time and have to read all the all the, that stuff right out loud um, but it was it was kind of infuriating because it was mostly choices, right? It, it, nothing demanded that you see the pictures. Um, and so it, it, years later, when it, when I learned that it was being uh, done on the iPhone, uh, it turned out that another fellow, Zach, uh, who was a reader, Zachary Klein, was a reader of my magazine, and he remembered me talking about King of Dragon Pass at one point, and contacted these developers and. They basically, A-Sharp Software, Dave Dunham is is the the head fellow's name there. And he was, he just jumped right on board. He got an intern, a programming intern to work with the voiceover aspects of it and made the thing accessible so that it was, it was like the map was kind of, it's a struggle to use. It's a hex map uh, that you have to, to sort of choose segments to explore, but it's perfectly doable. Everything was accessible. And, there were, and it's no time pressure. It's a turn-based game. So you don't have that franticness, right? You can take your time. And so if you want, if you wanted to play, you could, fully accessibly. Right. And now, all these years later, he's taken what he's learned from King of Dragon Pass and done six ages, which will hopefully be a, a series of games. Right now, this is the first one. And it has... He's taken all of that and, and made it even more welcoming. There are descriptions for the scenes in the game, like you'd have described audio, right. this is just des- is described in text and it's after the regular text of the game, there's another thing that you can flick to and it's description. It'll describe the scene that, that is wow. is artwork on the screen and, and that no one has done that for us before. Like that was just to see that level of detail. Uh, he used the voiceover hint system to impart information that otherwise you'd have to hunt and peck for more and, and go through Steps to get to. He made it about as easy for us to get at information as possible. Uh, the map. He in this game, he, it, like its predecessor, it has a map that is important. Uh, but what he did with it was instead of making us fight with this map, he came up with another exploration system that says, "Here, pick one of these sectors that are, in, in it's either north, south, east, or west of you, one sector away, or it's more distant, or locations that." are known, right? So as you discover more of the world and need to go to places, you know, they're they're put on the map. So it's not a struggle. You still have to think about the you know, the length of the journey, all the decisions of getting there. But navigation is not forced upon you. You don't have to sort of struggle with this unwieldy right. map. So that's huge. I mean to see that level of effort to welcome in uh, you know what is still, you know, a smaller chunk of, of his market is is huge. Right.
3: Yeah, and, and really, this, and, and I really think that that's you know that's all it all it really takes is it's just going to take uh, a developer um, to really to really dedicate themselves to the idea of of building a fully accessible game. I honestly, I think there's money on the table there. I think there that is, if somebody some if somebody were to build something highly accessible, uh, there's there's a huge demographic, there's a huge market for that. People people would scoop that up and they'd pay their $3 or whatever for for the uh, the mobile app. And I think there's millions of dollars waiting for somebody to do it.
0: There can be, but the thing is, it, it, a lot of these companies aren't, like, the, the even the popular apps, they're not making money hand over fist as much as people think. Like the economics are tighter. We had, because uh, we saw an example of this actually, because people were wondering for a long time, well, what if someone just built a great audio game and you kicked all the money and resources had you know actors had the best kind of sound work imaginable what would happen in the real world well we, we've seen that now it was a company called something else they made uh, and they included us right from the word go right from the first version that we were we were a, a key of their audience you know this was an audio game and if we could get the blind people involved you know that that's you know is awesome for their you know they, they know they've done their jobs right if we're impressed and we'll spread word and we which we did uh but you know they had they brought in actors they had sean bean in the, the second papa sangra game you know lord of the rings fame right i mean sure. he's, he's he must, big lead stuff did he die, had, did
3: he die in the game because i mean he you know <laughs> we know that he, he dies in everything that he's in
0: Yeah. uh, Well, you do defeat him at at one point. I (laughs) I got that far, but I never, there was more to the game. And I, I kicked myself often for not playing it because what eventually happened is it would be, it became, see, once you put an app on the app store, you have to mean, you have to keep paying Apple to keep it there. Sure. And they get 30% of any sales, right? So that's how they get their money for, you know, putting up the store for making, you know, the framework.
1: Which they're actually being sued for right now because of uh, being a monopoly.
0: yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that goes. And I really don't know which way I want that to go. Honestly, <laughs> uh, I, I think they are doing a, a reasonable job. I'd like to see a way of flagging accessible apps better, so you can just search in within those. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I worry too many beginners get lost in the in the vast array of apps that don't work that aren't accessible for us, uh, and and it kind of they kind of get discouraged. And that's one of the reasons I started working on Personal Power, the iOS edition, and it, I've hope to finish that this year uh, and, it's, it's been a long road i've been at this for three years now roughly
1: and so papa Angry is no longer available
0: no you can't get any of their titles they had to basically pull all their audio apps out of the store they had a, a few great ones they had uh uh that cumberbatch guy i can't remember his first name in life in me, um, but he, he was in sherlock holmes um right.
3: benedict cumberbatch they,
0: Yeah, spend a day there. We are. That would have bugged me till the end of time. Uh, (laughs) But he he was in uh, one, they had one called Nightjar, where you were, it was one of those aliens have invaded your ship and you have to crawl and, and, you know, get around and, and you heard them crawling in 3D audio above your head. You know, they did a fabulous job with that. And, you know, these were built for everyone. These weren't just blind games, these were audio games for everyone, including the sighted. And they were, played and got pretty good reviews but it it just they never quite achieved they weren't pac-man you know they weren't these mega popular hits and eventually it just became too costly to maintain those Mm -hmm. games and and keep because you not only had to pay to keep them in the app store you had to upgrade you know do the work of keeping them current as ios changed and what happens eventually is that just becomes untenable you can't plus they they had put so much resources into these games like getting these a-level actors and everything else i I think it was a case of kind of biting off more than you could chew in some respects sure but yeah now all the all those games are just gone you cannot play them they did release their source code uh to uh, at least not for the games but for their audio engine and i believe someone is making use of that and we might see something called circ something to do with circuses circus master uh, it was something like that being worked on, and uh, we could see that at some point. Uh, that, that would be awesome. I would love to. Uh, I will grab that when it comes out. Absolutely. That's the thing, though. It's going to be one game with nothing around it, right? I mean, there's, there's no, oh, I could get this or that game. It's usually one game at a time that gets pounced on and reviewed by everybody,
1: Well, and I think uh, finances are a big, big part of that. You know, you, you referred to GMA games early on, you know, I had tank commander and I played Sarah in the castle of witchcraft and wizardry. And, you know, the voice actors were really good. The atmospheric sounds were really good, but you know, if the market isn't adopting these games, the developers aren't making any money. And at some point they're just going to stop. Right.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you you know, I, I think that, you know, there's, there's a few things that, you know, I think that could happen too. I think that also there needs to be a little bit of innovation here. Um, you know, especially leveraging, like I said, some of this, some of the technology that's there, VR headsets, haptics, um, you know, all the different things that, say, even a, just a, a smartphone can do above and beyond just, say, maybe an, an audio game.
1: There was a podcast I listened to on the weekend. It was a Blind Bargains podcast. Shout out to them. They had a, a, a low vision gamer on there. His name's Jesse. I don't remember his last name, but he just recently acquired the oculus rift quest yep vr headset Uh, which is which is wireless
3: that's right it's all self-contained
1: all self-contained and he was actually able to play some i guess vr environments using this headset so we're getting there
3: we are and i and i think that i mean i think the other the other piece of the puzzle is the idea of accessible gaming is becoming more and more prevalent because I think that yeah. prior prior to say five, 10 years ago, it was a real counterintuitive idea. People would just be like, well, and even people, you know, say in the blind or low vision community would be like, well, I can't play games there. I mean, there's nothing out there for me. There's yeah. That was sort of the underlying sentiment. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I that, think that, that has to change too. Unfortunately,
0: there's still true. You can, we're still in a place where you can, if you're a newcomer to this, you know and you're not especially if you're not connected there's there seems to be real digital divide when i started my guide one of the things that really started me on it was discovering over the years that my assumptions about people knowing they get these iPhones and they don't know that there's voice people have yeah. used siri not realizing that they had a full screen reader in their iphone and i would discover this just the level of I didn't know that. With, yeah. And these were simple things that I just took for granted for years. Yeah. That they so the awareness level is so low. Yeah. That 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 really has to change. That's one of the reasons I'm uh, do, doing this guide. I'm I'm hoping to point people to all the 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 surviving accessible games and different apps and things that I've enjoyed. The scientific calculator, like Peacock, that's an amazing one. Uh, you know, all these apps that people have gone out of their way to make accessible. But uh, there's there's nothing sort of pointing the beginner to these these apps that would be success stories that would give them a boost of confidence, uh, you know, and, and, and add fun to their lives. So well,
3: and gaming is such a is such like it's so ripe for for harvest because you know just talking about gaming in general, gaming has very much changed in the past twenty years um, in terms of the demographics. I mean, there was a time when video games were for teenage boys, and that was it.
0: Yeah, Um, and the whole thought of games, to casual games have emerged hugely.
3: Uh, You know, well, in fact, I would say, I would argue, say, in the past 10 to 15 years, uh, there's been an entire generation of different, a a different demographic of gamer. And people who are, say, entering their... Their you know fifties sixties and may be entering into like having some sort of um, visual impairments. They still have that appetite to game. Um, they're they're interested in, in continuing to game. So I really think that in the in, especially in the next five to ten years, we're really going to see accessible gaming. Uh, I, I think there's going to be a demand for it, and I, and I hope some of this can change.
0: I think it is, but it's slowly happening. Right, it's never quick enough. Like I feel like my childhood has been given to me a smidgen at a time looking at it from a game view and, you know, seeing what, you know, the casual stuff that, that initially we couldn't access. And now there, there are blind be jeweled. You can have that, you know, blindfold games did one yeah. color crush. Uh, there's, there's one called blindy match uh, where you're matching gems and it's the same kind of thing as you'd have in a, in one of these casual puzzle games. So we're, we're, we're getting accessible, it's like we're getting accessible examples of different genres of game that previously we could even try on our own. Uh, uh heroes call is another big one on the PC. That is a, a role playing game, like a console level role playing game where you're, and it has, it, it did amazing on Kickstarter that hmm. now that we've got the crowdfunding happening, like that has also changed this now that, in, that people who are interested can fund these games, uh, you know that can that has really opened the door to a lot more of the yeah. entry level people to, to do these experiments right to see what works and we had this a Heroes call game that they wanted like I think it was th- 3,000 something like that they ended up getting like over 10,000 from Kickstarter and used that to you know hire an orchestra like to do music for their game to do it like that a, a composer do a, an orchestral recording with it with, with an actual orchestra of the score. For the game, uh, which is now on Apple Music and iTunes and, and everywhere, you can actually get this. Um, and, and the game itself has, you know, voice acting. It has the 3D sounds, real movie quality soundscape, uh, and, and it keeps track of when you're having your battles. It all makes audio sense, right. like the positioning of the characters as they move around the battlefield. You hear it happen, and you're, you're never like, "Oh, that was just a stereo moving." It's no, this is it, it builds a story. You hear the battle unfold as an audio sensible story that happens, you know, and it's not narrated. It's not the warrior throws his axe at the other. No, this is you hear it happen like you were watching a movie, like you're part of the Lord of the Rings or something. Like, so that was, that was a huge, huge success story.
1: And is that still yeah. available?
0: Yes, that yeah. is still available. Now, what I don't know is – what shape they're in to come next. They had one fellow uh, back out of there. There were like three of them, I guess, initially, and, and one fellow a programmer uh, had to, to move on to other things, uh, at you know, economics, right? So now you have, I believe, still two of them left, but I'm not, I'm not sure. Like we haven't heard a peep from them since really uh, and seen updates in a long time. So I don't know where they're at. Uh, and I'm hoping they're, they're still going to surprise us with something new or expansion to what they've already done. But I, I don't know. This, this hmm. might be a one-hit wonder. Yeah. Uh, and, and that would be unfortunate given the amount of resources that they, they got together to, to do what they did. So it's, yeah. uh, it, these things do cost money. All the sounds, the world, to free the music, the sounds, the, the sound design. They had a uh, Becker. I can't remember his first name. He's a, a professional a sound designer work on scenes in, and the soundscapes of this game. So it, it really, it took a lot more resources than, than most games of its, yeah. uh, of its generation uh, to, to do in audio. Like we've never seen this kind of money thrown at an audio game before. Uh, so we've seen on iOS and on PC, some really interesting This there could be more like this kind of things that indicate what's possible. Uh, Platform games are another one. You know, these could be the simplest thing on the earth. It's left and right, it's two directional. You'd think instant, you know, you could just use stereo panning and do this, right? But we haven't seen many of those. You know, I would have expected a lot more in that genre, certainly before we saw something like pinball. Uh, But that's not how it happens. So there are a lot of sort of missed opportunities.
1: Well, let's hope that Microsoft's xCloud and Google Stadia are, are going to be accessible from the beginning as well.
0: Yeah. That'll be interesting.
3: Yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I really feel like in terms of accessible gaming, I feel like there's all the pieces are on the table. Yeah, um, They just need to put them together. And honestly, like, and I may be remembering this wrong. Because uh, I'm old and my memory's going, but I, I'm fairly positive that in the lifetime of this show, and we're only we're only three and a half years old at this point, but I'm pretty sure I remember early on Ryan doing a story about uh, one of the first PlayStation games where they actually had um, accessibility features, like right in the main menu of the game. Um, that you could access and that you could you could um, tinker yeah. with. I remember talking about it, but I don't remember what game it was. I, yeah, I, think, I think it was know, one right. of the Tomb Raider games. I think, or maybe it was maybe it was uh, maybe it was Uncharted or or something. Don't recall. You, you, yeah, but but you know, so there's been some real movement, even you know, recently, and hopefully they can continue to drive that forward. I mean, now you know there it's it's pretty rare where i where i you know get a new a new playstation game that i don't see accessibility right in the main menu Mm -hmm. so we're making progress um you know i I think that it's just going to take one of the one of the big developers to really um innovate and really just sort of try to make something that's accessible right out of the gate instead of just trying to tack on accessibility to you know a mainstream game and then see what happens and see what the see what the response is and and Even if it's, you know, even if it's kickstarted, you know, again, you know, it's an exciting time right now because you can literally have that. You can just make a a crowdsourced game that you couldn't do 20 years ago.
0: The same with the board game and role game uh, playing game space, too. You have something like 64 ounce games out of uh, New York. I think they were and they're doing using 3D printing and mold injection and this 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 couple. I think they're both teachers, if memory serves. They've just started this business of making these accessibility kits for making board games accessible. And they've they've lasted at least a year. It's been much longer than that now. They've had a couple of Kickstarters to raise funds for more equipment and things to do more. Uh, they have role-playing game dice that are all done in, in Braille, 3D printed Braille and things like that, that you can roll. I've got a D20 from them on my desk. And that was kind of cool. <laughs> In the role-playing books, a lot more work is doing is being thought of now there. The, the awareness is getting into to those developers to make those the the books that drive these games, right? The rules, the you know, the tables, the stats to try and look at making those more accessible. And I've I've seen that that is a lot of that happens on Kickstarter and through crowdfunding things. When when developers learn Early on, of that there's interest, uh, they're they're usually more than happy to to try and and go that little bit extra to get the extra business. So provided it's early enough in the cycle, and I think we'll see that. You know, as you know, more of us, more game developers, it it takes you know a few people in a company that really have connections to the blind world. You know, that that's happening more in EA games and other places like that where you're seeing. More movement there i mean we'll we'll probably be you know there'll be a morning one one morning i'll get up and i'll find out that i can play one of these triple a games you know and and that will be just amazing i might not even need coffee that day (laughs) you know i might not get much else done but i you know that would be amazing and and i don't think like i i would have dismissed that notion as dreamland thinking you know even 10 years ago but not now. I mean, yeah. Same with the iPhone. I mean, who? if you had told me 11 years ago, Mike, you're going to be walking around with a slab of technology in your pocket yeah. that can tell you where you are, that you can carry, you know, thousands of books that you'll still have room for a ton of apps over 70 games and, you know, music and you'll be able to talk to it or touch, use this touch screen, this flat featureless surface and, it will be, despite that lack of buttons, it will be the most important thing you've ever bought technology-wise. True. You know, I would have laughed long and hard at you.
2: Yep. And you'll wirelessly you know? be able to uh, access the entirety of human knowledge.
0: Yeah, yeah pretty yeah. much. I mean, you know, <laughs> Wikipedia and all the rest of it. I mean, it's it's amazing.
2: Well, don't forget the added and feature of irradiating
3: your testicles. Oh, there's well, that. Well, there <laughs> is yeah, yeah. that. Bonus there's feature. Built-in microwave kind <laughs> it's, <of thing>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Working as intended. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's true. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's incredible, and so who knows what's what's going to happen in the next five years? Um, but now, so let me ask you this though: so for for any of our listeners who are who love this idea of accessible gaming, where where are the information hubs these days? Can you can you point us to in any direction in terms of finding out? being able to find out what's out there.
0: Yeah. Um, well, first of all, audio games.net is, uh, for anything that's, that's kind of audio oriented, audio gaming, that sort of thing. Um, that's a good place to start. Uh, so PC, Android, Xbox, all that kind of stuff. Chances are, if it's at all accessible, it'll eventually find its way to being discussed on those forums or on that site. Okay. Um, there are you know, applevis.com, A-P-P-L-E-V is in Victor, I-S, like vision, dot uh, com. So applevis.com, all one word, is the place to go for Apple information. Anything to do with iOS, they have tutorials, they have guides, they have a directory, and that directory has a whole huge section devoted to games. Uh, anything new tends to pop up there pretty quick, um, and, and you'll find not only... Uh, what is accessible, but you'll also be warned if something is found to be inaccessible, so you won't waste your money on it. So that's that's Good something stuff. to keep in mind about that as as well. Uh, Blind Bargains is an awesome podcast resource. Um, there are a few other things like that, uh, you know, that that will look into. Uh, I did uh, Blind Abilities an abu- uh, interview with them uh, not so long ago. Um, so I've done I do stuff on AMI Audio, uh, Kelly and Company is a show in the afternoons uh, from 2 to 4 Eastern. And uh, I'm on usually Thursdays is my usual day, and I'm, I'm usually on at, at around 2. Um, and I, I cover audio entertainment, so audio drama, internet radio podcasts, hmm. and games uh, and uh, audio and iOS. I'm largely coming at it from iOS since that's what I mainly use now uh, for my stuff. So I'm, uh, I'm on that show uh, pretty much every week. If if you want to reach me, uh, probably email and Twitter are your best bets. Uh, Email is michael.fair at gmail.com. And fair is F as in Frank, E-I-R. And Twitter, I'm mfair, so M as in Mike. And uh, that's all one word. Um, Those are probably your best bets to quickly get in touch with me. Uh, I do have a blog, michaelfair.blogspot.ca. So you can uh, find, and I, I mostly have been publishing parts of my guide. As I finish them off, uh, I, I put sections of it hoping for comments, which I haven't gotten a ton of, so, yeah, more would be great. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, and, and uh, when I get my guide finished, of course, I'll be uh, putting that up there as well as any other place that wants to, uh, to have it. Uh, so word will hopefully get around about it, and uh, it will hopefully help some people.
3: But uh, listen, sir, you know we're gonna have to have you back on because we didn't even get past the first topic that I wanted to talk to you about. So we only sure. got as far as accessible gaming, but we'll have you on again. we we'll, we can maybe talk, you know, about uh, the state of iOS in general, or whenever we decide we we want to have an Apple, an Apple versus Android showdown. Too, we'll invite <laughs> you in and we can we can divvy up the room.
0: Oh yeah, I'll two v two lightsaber duel and everything. Yeah, why not? <laughs> That's what we
1: need: an accessible Star Wars game.
0: Sure. Oh, yes, that would, that would be awesome. I'd, I'd jump at that. <laughs>
1: yep, I think a lot of us would.
0: Uh, all
3: right, sir, well, we'll let you go. Uh, thanks again for, for taking some time and talking to us, and uh, let's let's do this again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anytime you want me, just uh, let me know, and we'll schedule another one of these chinwags. You got it. All you too.
3: Okay, take care, Mike. Well, that was interesting. I had no idea that there was accessible games back in the them. early
1: 2000s. One of the big, big... Companies was a guy named jim kitchen yeah had a, a website kitchens inc they had all sorts of casino games Is that and, right, eh? yeah well you he know built eloquence screen reader so you didn't necessarily have to use jaws there were some self-voicing games
3: you know we've i know that uh we've talked to what was it marty schultz over at uh, blindfold games yep. who does a lot of a lot of developing for for the mobile platform a lot of the casual games that mike was talking about but you know, really, there's just no reason that that accessible gaming can't be can't be more of a thing on some of the mainstream platforms and, and more more complicated games. That sounds like it's coming slowly. I, I, I think so. I I'd like to hope so because I really do feel like all the pieces are there. Uh, it's just that somebody has to to put them together, and it could be it, it could maybe just take um, something that gets kickstarted to really have some success for for some of the other companies to wake up and realize, wow, there's a demographic there. There's a, you know, a hungry demographic for a real decent accessible game.
1: Well, and I think it'd be interesting too, to look back at, you know, at least the last two to three years at E3 and some of the other game developer conferences and actually see, you know, if accessibility has been mentioned, if there's been sessions, because I'd be bet there are more and more.
3: Yeah. 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 It's definitely becoming more of a conversation for sure. And people are realizing that, you know, People who are blind and low vision, uh, you know, are able to game just as yep. just as anybody else can and and want to. So, yeah, gaming, yeah.
1: No, I just need a better PC, an Xbox, or a PlayStation.
3: You should get one. The PlayStation Five is going to be out in, next, uh, year. next year. Okay. So, I'm excited. It's a new Xbox coming out too. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> see if I, I I I'm pretty well established into the. See, it,
1: my concern though is if I was to, if I was to choose a platform right now, it'd be Xbox because of the whole accessibility push Microsoft is, is doing. Yeah, I don't blame you. If right. I was to
3: jump in again, I mean, the fact that the PlayStation Five is going to be backwards compatible, so I'll be able to play all my all my PlayStation Four games on it. So yeah, they said the Xbox stuff's backwards compatible as well. I was working through Spider Man over the weekend. Yeah, it's a pretty good game. The I'm Toby Mag-
2: Toby Maguire versions? No. <laughs> Mike just went out and bought that uh, VR headset for the PlayStation. Oh, did he? Yeah. How does he like it? He's loving it.
3: Yeah, yeah, I've 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 been tempted by that many times. It's just the price point's a little too high for me to jump in.
2: Yeah, I uh, I, I tried it out. I suck. <laughs> <laughs> you suck
3: in the virtual space as yes, well as the... yes, yes. Uh,
2: any anything to do with the console, I suck at. So.
3: Cool. Hey, Ryan. What? <laughs> <laughs> Where can people find us? atbanter.com they can also drop us an email if they so desire at cowbell at banter.com
2: uh, where else can they find us well they can find us on twitter they can find us on facebook they can find us on instagram but not google or pinterest or pinterest yeah no no Pinterest
3: yeah not yet although you know maybe that's something I might have to look at you like guys Pinterest? got some recipes you want to <laughs> contribute we can have the AT Banter recipe Pinterest page Mr. Barclay might yeah actually yeah that's true I maybe mean, you know, like a recipe for like smoked salmon or something take salmon smoke <laughs> <laughs> All right, there well, you go my secret's out Pinterest coming soon everybody <laughs> watch for us On Pinterest. Uh, Any other announcements? Anything else we got before we say goodbye, Ryan? Mm, Nope. Want to sing a song? Nope. All right. right. Well, then, I guess that will about do it for us this week. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening in. And uh, we'll see everybody next week.
2: For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Whoa, look at that master of the
0: one take.